Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today, we have Anne DeTralia on the show. She was the former internal audit director at Sears as well as United Airlines. If nothing else, go to Anne's LinkedIn profile and just scroll through some of her posts. They are fantastic. It's one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to her and have her on the show is just because of her, really her leadership style and how she helps build her team. And so that was a, that's a big deal to me as well. And so that that's a couple things that we talk about for sure with Anne on the show and given the great whatever you want to call it, migration, resignation, hibernation, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, I think it's important to understand how we can retain talent. And I look for people like Anne to get advice in those situations because she is such a, a people person when it comes to the people on her team. So that is one of the, the primary discussion points how to attract, develop, and train your people. We also talk about what they're doing to enhance their risk assessment and how they're using data to do that, as well as some advisory versus assurance work um, and what the board's expectation uh, is relative to maybe the assurance work or the audit committee relative to the assurance work. And then lastly, we talk about OKRs. And so we'll talk about what those are, uh, who sets them within the team, and then what are some examples of ANDs. All right, here we go. What makes your brain happy? <laughs> you know what? Puzzling. I'm a big puzzler. So I like, I like puzzles in the traditional sense, like throw them on the table. I have a system. I'm very specific about my system. <laughs> if people come in and mess with my system, I get annoyed. They got to go. Um, pardon me. I said, they got to go if they mess with your system. Oh yeah. No, like you got to start with the edges. You can't, you can't start with other things. You got to do the edges first and then, you know, different sections. Um, so I love to puzzle. And I also like, I'm obsessed recently with the New York Times spelling bee Okay. and Wordle. Wordle do you Wordle? I'm, I'm familiar with it in cons. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't Wordled yet. Yeah. It's, it's great fun. Okay. So any kind of a brain teaser. I love that kind of stuff. Okay. Sudoku, yeah. all that kind of stuff. When, the, when there's a new one of those, is that. You jump on Yeah, those. I'm not a Sudoku fan. I'm just not. But I, I love crossword puzzles. Um, I, I just, I like puzzles in general, but not Sudoku. Gotcha. I don't know okay. why. Yeah. Similarly, what song makes your brain happy? I love anything that reminds me of my kids. And okay. so there's a song by a French singer. Her name is Melody Gardot, and she sings this song, If the Stars Were Mine. 
And then she goes on to saying, I'd give them all the, all to you. And it's just, it's really sweet. You know, like, I don't know, my husband, he does not listen to lyrics and music at all. Yeah. Like at all, like they fly right by him. He's just into like the music in the background. Um, But I'm always listening to the lyrics and that's like the nice thing about music, isn't it? Like lyrics speak to you. There was like, I knew every, or I know every word to simple man. But I, uh-huh. but I like I know all the words, but I've never really like listened to it. And this was maybe like a year ago and it was on and I started listening to the words and I was like, oh, that's what this is about. Like I had no idea. I'm, I am <laughs> completely ignorant when it comes to uh, poetry or, or uh, lyrics or anything of going, oh, this is what they're they're trying to get at. Or this is what they're actually saying by not saying it, you know, without saying it directly. Like I am yeah. completely dense when it comes to uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, and maybe it's like, maybe it's a guy thing. Could be. Yeah. Like I uh, most, for the most part, it's, it's the, the music itself. And, uh, second is just like the range. Like I like high pitched stuff for some reason. Uh, I don't know. It's just fun to sing those, uh, alone in the shower or in the car. I was going to say alone. It's yeah. gotta be alone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your favorite tool? And this could be a software tool or, uh, I think somebody said like pen and paper was one of their favorite tools one time. So what's a, like a, maybe a productivity tool or something along those lines, even, you know, it's funny. I started my career at home Depot. And so I hear the word tool and I'm immediately yeah. like anybody listening to this who's from home Depot department 25 <laughs> hardware. Um, and so I, uh, I think everybody should have a cordless power drill. Perfect. <laughs> I'm just saying, but no, seriously. Um, I'm a big fan of pen and paper as well, but I, um, I do think there's something really beneficial about taking notes on a pad of paper. And if you were in what is now my COVID office, I have 10 different notebooks here with notes from different areas of the business. Yeah. Like I love that, but then I always put them into box notes. Gotcha. Um, but, um, I like Smartsheet. I love Smartsheet. Have you ever used Smartsheet? I have not, but I think I'm about to find out. Ah, uh, it's just, I love its versatility. Um, you could use it for project planning, following up, collaborating. You can create dashboards. It's like, it's great. It's like, Excel on steroids. I, gotcha. I just, but so much easier than okay. Excel. How do you, how do you, how do you use this with in conjunction with your, um, audit workflow software? Is it separate um, from that? Do they talk separate. to each other? Yeah. Yeah. So like if I've got an ad hoc project that I'm working on, um, I'll usually project plan it out in Smartsheet um, because you can email people from that and have them complete like rows that belong to them. And you can keep documents within the Smartsheet for someone. Like it's just super helpful for collaboration. Um, and I also, I've used it for uh, my team's uh, OKRs, objectives and key results. And so there's a whole format for that. It's it's amazing. I, yeah. I love Smartsheet. I like, and I don't, I don't have, get any money for saying that either. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> and then lastly, if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, we just do this one thing, what would that be? Oh my God. Just remember, it's not about you. <laughs> you know, seriously, like I think, especially when you're new in your audit career, it's like, 
you get so deep into everything when you're auditing, right? And it's like, you're so proud of all the things you know about this space. And then I think it gets difficult for people to understand. We don't need to know all the things that you know. We just need to know the insights that you have from that. And, you know, just being a like less wordy. I feel mm. like people want to put all their things on the paper. Like, look what I did. Yeah. It's like, this is my report and I've got it for you. Um, you know, I tell my teams, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. You know, like give them the insights they need and the help they need and move on. I like it. Yeah. Especially yeah. when it comes to reporting. I know there's um, people have been actively working on like the one page audit report, or I think someone uh, talked about it. I think it was Mike Jack was talking about doing a, um, your audit report should be tweetable or something to that effect. Like, you know, cause there's a character <laughs> limit on Twitter. And so they kind of <laughs> toyed with that idea. I mean, obviously they didn't uh, publish anything on Twitter related to audit findings or, or anything, but I thought that was pretty interesting. I've been so confounded by audit reports sometimes. Like you start to read and you're three paragraphs in and you still have no idea what they're talking about. And sometimes yeah. that's just because there's a lot of jargon mm -hmm. um, and acronyms and things like that. And I know every company has all of their acronyms that, you know, bother everybody. Um, but I just think auditors need to level up the information mm -hmm. that they're, they're sharing, you know, it doesn't have to be as detailed as I think they need it to be. So when I say it's not about you, it's just, you know, you don't have to put everything down on the paper. I didn't, that didn't really hit home with me until I was on a board for the first time. And right. I, was just, I was just thinking, you know, like considering, okay, this is what they care about. This is how they work and uh, how things are communicated. If I got, you know, and I was thinking about water reports that I had written and I was like, if somebody handed me that report, you know, as the board member, I'd be like, what? I, no, D give me like two sentences on this. I don't right. need five pages worth. Like nobody, and most, I, I don't know, probably don't even read it. You know, if it's that long and especially depending on how many you have, they're just going to skim it and look for the, the finding or uh, that insight that we just talked about anyway. I know, you know, how many times have you heard the, um, the phrase, I'm not going to drain the slide. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, first of all, you shouldn't have a slide with that much on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like whatever it is you're about to say or your voiceover, that's probably all you needed to have on there in the first place. My, um, I presented to uh, audit and finance committee a few months back and I had to basically take five different activities that we had been working on and put them onto one page mm -hmm. and talk about them for what was probably two to three minutes yeah. in the room. Right. And that's so hard for the team because they spend months on these things yeah. and then they have all these reports and then it's one page with like your project maybe has two bullet points and I talk about it for 60 seconds. Yeah. And that can be, I think, um, I don't know, demoralizing is the right word for the team, but like, I can't believe I did all that work and that's all the, you know, visibility it got. But the, the fact that it's being presented to the board, I think shouldn't be lost yeah. on people when that's they're a, doing work, right? Excellent point. Yeah. Okay, so being in a high growth organization that you're in, what's the importance of the advisory work 
as opposed to the assurance work that you guys are doing? And where should we be looking for that advisory work? Yeah. You know, I think advisory work is really well suited to companies that are going through change. And so that could be growth. Mm-hmm. That could be restructuring. Um, you know, it could be, mm-hmm. I, I worked um, at Sears Holdings a long time ago and, you know, we were going through a lot of change there by um, divesting. Um, and I, I think when you've got a lot of change happening, it means, you know, for auditors who are listening to this, it means controls are changing, right? Um, and you're reassessing all the time and that, that benefits greatly from advisory capabilities. So, um, you know, my current organization, we're a growth company and we work with our business partner, partners to assist them in thinking about the risks and, and what really matters. And, and what's great about the work is it's based off of a poll. So we, you know, they come to us yeah. and ask for our help. And when you can get that working in an organization, that's really great because, you know, we've gotten some of our um, senior leaders in the org have come to us and asked for our help because another senior leader told them they worked yeah. with us and that, you know, we gave them, um, you know, a, a great work product that helped them run their business better. So we like to say we operate off of, um, or we focus on, like, if we're going to take on a project, we focus on, does it, there's, there's a whole methodology we use, but primarily it's, is it around governance? process, risk, and controls. Mm -hmm. And so we think about like what elements are we going to attack in this? And so sometimes we turn down work um, because it doesn't reside in those spaces. Um, But that's, that's generally what we work on. And so I just think auditors tend to do advisory work. Um, I think there has to be a really good dividing line between when do you decide that it's an assurance project and when do you decide that it's an advisory project. So in our organization, we, we primarily say it's advisory because it's more prospective yep. looking. So we're looking to the future. We're mm-hmm. looking at how are things changing? How, what kind of advice are we going to give you? for those changes and how you might consider them. Whereas the assurance work is really looking at something that's more mature, established. You would expect them to have good first, second line controls going on, right? Um, So, but from an, like, I think auditors do better um, in in a changing org with their advisory work because they're uniquely positioned to know what's going on in the organization end to end, you know, like, you think that, you know, the, the HR, you know, SVP, EVP, whatever it is in your organization, the person who's leading your chief HR officer, you would think that maybe they know, and I'm just using that as a random example of a, as a senior leader, you think they would know what's going on over in like the operation with the COO, but they don't, yeah. you know, or they don't always. And, but, you know, you could have staff auditor who's been on a project over in the one space and then in the other, and, you know, they can connect the dots for yeah. people. Um, and I think that's a unique position that auditors have and they should leverage it. Yeah. I think the difference really between advisory and assurance is just the timing of it, of, of 
the, the timing or maybe the age of the process that we're yeah. looking at, like you said, if it's mature, probably assurance, if it's new and there's change, um, going to lean more towards advisor. What about as, as far as, is that where you feel like the boards and audit committees are asking more of is for more advisory type work? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And why um, is that? It, you know, I think, um, Gartner has a lot. Uh, in the in this space, um, I don't know for for those who are listening who uh, can get into the uh, Gartner subscription. I, I would recommend looking at some of that because there's a lot of interviews that they do with board members who talk about this. I know for our board, when we first developed this concept, and we went and presented some of our initial projects, the response was, "How can we help you?" get more of a pipeline for your work. And, mm-hmm. and at the time, uh, the chief auditor and I laughed because we had such a backlog of people asking for our help. And I think the board wants that. They wanna see the audit function have that strong advisory capability so that you don't have things pop up later, yeah. right? So that's like, you know, you think about the board's mandate is governance. Right. And so how great is it to have people internal into the organization who can help those first and second lines think through this is the this is the kind of control environment you want. This is the governance that you need so that the auditors don't have to go in and audit it later. Yeah. Like, you know, that that's already gotten some TLC. Yeah. And and you were talking earlier about the when management comes to audit. And that's probably one of my favorite KPIs to watch over time is, yeah. especially as you do more advisory and, and doing what I do with analytics, usually if you kind of nail an analytics project, and even if you don't nail it, but you have a nice looking dashboard at the end, manager goes, oh, I didn't even know audit did that type of work. We want something like that. And so to see those start to stack up over time as you implement analytics or, or whatever kind of your thing is, is always yeah. kind of one of my favorite um, KPIs, but Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. You and I talked about audit's role in assure, advise, and anticipate, or as you call it, Oh, <laughs> bumps that spike. Okay. <laughs> Volleyball thing. Yeah. yeah. So for a sports <laughs> reference, yeah, bumps that spike, but assure, advise, and anticipate. And I think we're all, yeah. we, we've covered advisory. I think we're all familiar with um, assurance, but what about on the anticipate side? How do we anticipate? Yeah. And I'll tell you the, the um, anticipate, advise, assure um, comes from uh, a Deloitte paper. So I did not make that up. Um, so I'll give credit to Deloitte for that one. You know, the anticipate, I think is more along, uh, the lines of your enterprise risks, right? Like, how are you thinking about large risks to the organization? What are those 
risk drivers, the risk indicators, what like what's our exposure to those risks? How are we thinking through through those items? And that's probably more um, like what your ERM function would be doing, right? Or um, at least in in my organization, that's what our ERM function is doing. Um, and that anticipates then when you think of it more at like the macro level, when elements of that come to life. So like, I'll give you an example. COVID has, has laid bare this pandemic for many organizations, large and small. You've seen the exposure that a lot of companies have with supply chain, mm-hmm. with um, you know, s- customer satisfaction, um, succession planning, right? Like it's the great resignation now, war for talent, all of that, right? It's so if you think about those things, maybe like let's do succession planning as an example um, or having, you know, the talent, the workforce of the future, the talent that you need in order to keep the enterprise running as an enterprise risk. When you start to have programs internally that address those things, that's a great time then to hand off from that anticipate like, hey, this has been escalating. And now like management is starting to put programs into place, they're funding them. Let's hand that off and do some advisory work gotcha. to make sure. So I had an ERM partner who once said, you know, the time is right to run the water through the pipes. And I feel like that's what the advisory team would do then. Like, okay, you're building this out. Let me go run some water through the pipes and see if you've got any leaks. We'll help you fix that. And then hopefully you don't ever need to audit it in the future. Yeah. Or maybe like a couple of years later, the uh, team goes in and they kick the tires just to make sure that there's the assurance there. If it's still a, a key risk to the organization. As somebody who literally had a plumbing company come out yesterday to fix a leaking <laughs> pipe in my front yard, I can promise you those are no fun. So you were talking about retaining folks. And so I'm interested to get your thoughts on yeah. what are you guys doing to attract, develop and train your people right now? Um, so we are developing, um, a program, um, that's literally right now just underway and it's somewhat modeled off of what Disney did. Um, they had a program with one, uh, one of the big four, I believe it was EY. Um, and they, they basically had them as a preferred provider and then, you would channel in talent from the, this big four organization onto projects and then deploy them out into the organization. And so it's, it's a nice way to recruit in top talent and give them exposure to different areas of the business, train them in a risk mindset, right? Teach them how to be uh, smart risk takers is what we like to say at my company. And then they get to go off and work in the business. And so you've got this really nice cycle. And then once you have people out in the business, and this is how we're starting, we're looking at our alumni network and we're asking them, what talent do you need? Cause mm-hmm. they understand the value of audit. Yeah. And they'll tell us, I need somebody who's got really good presentation skills. I need somebody who can do project or portfolio program management, that sort of thing. Well, wow, our team does that all the time, right? And so 
let's introduce you to some of the people that we have on our team who are ready to go take a next step and are interested in your area. Yeah. And so we're partnering with them to deploy people into the business or at least try to position them so that they can be successful in the business if that's what they want to do. Right. You know, some people want to stay in audit forever and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, so that I think gets to retention right? Like mm -hmm. you can give people new experiences outside of the audit function. If that's what they want, they're more likely to stay with the organization. So that's something that we're working on right now. And I think it's going to be really successful. Okay. I, I, I go on these rants about goals versus yeah. what you want, because to me, it always, when I say write down your goals for the year or whatever, I just feel like, all right, whatever. And then it took yeah. until a couple of years ago before like this, um, alarm or, or whatever went off in my head that went a goal is just whatever you want. Like it's what you want for yourself. And so I've started asking myself that. And I think, I think it is beneficial when people go, okay, I know I have to write down quote the goal, but like, what do I actually want to do relative to, and you know, speaking with relative to careers here. Um, so if somebody says, Hey, look, I want to go into uh, this side of the business to do this, then you can start putting a plan together to actually make that happen. And so I always, that's one of my soapbox things is like, I forget goal. I think we did a whole episode and I just, it was called forget goals or something like that. Um, but it's just like, it's not, don't think of it as a goal. Think of it as this is what I want to do. And then from there you can flesh out how to actually get that done. So I think that uh, kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Yeah. I like to, I talk to, I'll have skip level meetings um, with uh, my team and we call them discover conversations. Uh -huh. And you know, I, I think the team really loves them. Um, I know I do. And we do them quarterly and it's an hour. Sometimes it's 45 minutes, but we just talk about like, what have you been doing lately? That is just soul sucking. Yeah. 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 What, yeah. what is just awful lately? Like if you could remove it, what would it be? And, you know, sometimes it's something like super obvious. Like I hate all this admin work. Yeah. <laughs> I hate scheduling meetings. Can I just get somebody to schedule my yep. meetings? Um, and obviously I can't fix that for them, but you know, sometimes it's things like, um, I, I guess on the other side of that coin, like what's really setting your world on fire? Like what are the things that are really motivating you lately? Um, and then they'll tell me, Oh, I loved this about this project that I worked on. I would love to do that again. And so that gives you a lot of really good insights into mm -hmm. what's working for the team and what's not working for the team. And to think about from a continuous improvement lens too, yeah. right? Like if you could change anything about the work, what would it be? Yeah. What do you think is working or isn't working? Um, anyway, I, I love that. I wish what? we could do more of that. And that's a big piece of like you're talking about with continuous improvement methodologies is basically what's going wrong what's going right? Like, what do you like? What do you not like? Do you, yeah. is it difficult? Do you feel like for maybe new staff to be able to come to management, senior manager, whatever the, the title is and go, you know what? I don't like this. Like, how do you, how do you feel like you can get that out of someone that's maybe a new hire? And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining or that like, I, you know, or, or, you know, whatever it is, it felt I know for me personally, if somebody asked me that one year in, I'd be like, nope, everything's great. I love working 90 hours a week. It's fantastic. You know, like, yeah. yeah. Oh so my God. <laughs> have, you, have, have you found that to be like a struggle to almost get that out of people and, and how you can do that? Is it just a trust thing over time? Yeah. I think that's a trust thing. Yeah. It is. You know, I love asking this question in the interview process. 
what's your perfect day? Yeah, I like that. What too. is your perfect day? Um, and, you know, so it, and that usually stumps people like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah. like, tell me everything. Like what, like, when do you get up? Yep. What, like, what, like, what are you wearing to work? Like, it's your perfect day, your perfect situation. It may not translate here at this company, but like, just tell me, like, yeah. what's your perfect day? And I, I love when people get pretty vulnerable in that moment and tell you, those are the people I want to hire, yeah. you know, like this, this is what's working for me. Or this is, you know, if someone says to me in the interview, you know, I'll go to work, whatever you want me to go to work. And, <laughs> I, and I'm like, no, 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 this is about you and what you want. And I do think that's hard to yeah. get that level of trust. But the reason I got so excited, but I just like pointed at you and smiled yeah. when you said that <laughs> someone asked me that question a few months ago. And it just, I think they said, what's your perfect Monday look like? But the ultimately it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever. They might've even said, what's your perfect week? And then we broke it down into days, but it really like made me go, I don't like doing this. I'm not going to do it. I'm either going to outsource it or whatever, automate it, whatever it is. Or I went, you know, this is what I want to do that I'm not able to do right now. And so one of those things was I just blocked off time uh, to go to the gym, same time every day. I rarely do I move that, but like, that's just what I wanted. I didn't like the inconsistency of I've got meetings all afternoon. I'll go in the morning. I've got meetings all morning. I'll go in the afternoon. And so now it's blocked off and like just doing that. We're talking about what makes your brain happy. That made my brain so happy to go. I know that I can do this every day now because that's what I want to do and it's blocked off. So that's a really great question for people to ask themselves routinely, I would say. I recently was exposed to this concept um, and I, I regret that I don't know the man's name, um, but he is um, apparently the world's best lacrosse player. Like to have ever played the game. Um, and he is the head of the professional lacrosse league in the United States and wherever else it exists. And, and like lacrosse just is not big <laughs> in my life, Yeah. but I was listening to him talk and I, and I loved what he was saying. He was saying, you know, like when you are, he was discussing the difference between business and sport in terms of how you get things done. And he said, you know, in a sport, everything is binary. You win or you lose, mm -hmm. you score or you don't score. You're healthy or you're injured. Like it's always one or the other. There is no continuum. Mm -hmm. But in business, it isn't about a win-lose thing. And he used the phrasing uh, competitive collaboration. Okay. And I liked how he talked about when you're working through, and I'll tie this back to being an auditor. So like if you're an auditor, frequently you go into an area that, you know, the controls aren't designed effectively or they're not operating effectively, right? And so they need to be fixed. And it's like, it's gotta be this way. And, you know, your business partner is saying, okay, like, I guess I'll do that. But it's not really a collaboration at yeah. that point. It's not you listening to them and saying, okay, this isn't working. Let's talk about how it could work. And like, what do you think? How could this? And, and I love the idea that it's not this win-lose thing. Like I'm going to come in and tell you exactly what to do. Right. Um, that it's more of a, a partnership, uh, but competitive collaboration. I love that. I love like 
whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. We'll see if we can find that and put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll, I'll find it. Earlier, you mentioned OKRs, which we haven't talked yeah. about on the show. So if you could, what are OKRs? Who sets them within your team? And then if you could give us a little bit of insight into what some of your OKRs are. Okay. Um, so OKRs are objectives and key results. Um, I initially started using those when I worked at uh, United Airlines. And I really liked, I really liked them. So, you know, your objective is let's use something. Uh, we'll relate it back to the advisory conversation we were having earlier. One of our objectives is to drive demand for our work. And that's the objective. We want to drive demand for the work. And then you've got initiatives that you implement in order to do that. And each of those initiatives, they ha- they get measured. Uh-huh. Those are your key results. And so, you know, some of that is we we establish the objectives. The way it's supposed to work is you do those annually, and then you measure as you go. And like our team had five objectives for the year. That's it. So this isn't like a big laundry list. You could have two or three. Right. It's you know whatever works. Like we started out talking through around like, what is it? Like, how, how will we know that we've been successful mm-hmm. with this work? And so that was one element. Like we know people are going to come and ask for us. Like there's going to be a demand for our work. Okay. How do we drive demand for the work? Well, we're going to go out and we're going to talk to people. Um, we're going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And so I think we had two or three things that we were, um, initiatives that we were using to drive that objective to its successful conclusion. And we, we just had measurements for them. And so the team, we divided them out and um, everybody had you know, a certain metric that they were tasked with measuring and updating. And um, that was really helpful because once we started doing it, we realized, oh, this is a really dumb measure. Like once you, you do it, you're like, oh, this doesn't really tell us much at all. Right. Like, okay, let's abandon that and let's think about it differently. And so it is basically like a continuous improvement cycle too, right? Like, how do you know that you've been successful? Yeah. Um, and I liked that we developed them across the team. Um, and so everybody had their input in it. It wasn't like I just came down from Mount Olympus and and like gave them the tablets, you know, like we did it together. Um, I will tell you as a leader, there was some resistance early on when we were doing this because like we were saying, and every audit function knows this forecast with accuracy. Uh Like if you say the project's going to take eight weeks and it took 20 Let's talk about that. And so there was a lot of like, you're going to judge me on this. This is going to go on my performance review. These metrics are scary. But it was once they finally realized, no, this is so that we can be better. Like, why is it that we didn't realize at the outset that it should have been planned for 20 weeks? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, we thought we were going to get a data set. And that data set didn't exist. And so we had to do it manually. And we had all these other things that happened. And then like, 
you know, people went on vacation and then like we couldn't, like, couldn't complete Or there the was a global pandemic. There was a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so that's just good to know so that you, you learn from that so that you don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I really like the methodology of OKRs. Not everybody likes them, but, um, I appreciate them. I feel like it tells the team, the team owns them, the team designs them, team measures them. And then the team is invested in the success of the overall team. It's right. not about an individual person. Without giving away too much, can you walk us through an example of an OKR for you guys and um, maybe the lessons learned from that? You're talking about ways to measure it and where it might've gone wrong or something. Is there, could you give us a, an example? We had, um, so a team of, there's, I have a team that um, is focused on um, analytics. Mm -hmm. So near and dear to your heart. Right. And they were um, one of their, one of their items was around developing certain SQL mm -hmm. queries for an area. And it was, you know, they, they wanted to measure a certain number per quarter that they were going to develop. And we realized after a couple quarters of evaluating that, that it wasn't really about the number. It was around the quality of the query and its adoption. Yeah. And so that's like, that's an example where we shifted our thinking from, okay, we're not going to measure a total number. We're going to look at the adoption rate for it by the business. All right. And appreciate you coming on the show as we've covered a lot. Uh, is there anything you would like to leave the audience with? My mantra is forward and happy. Okay. Um, I like, I mentioned earlier, I was training for an Ironman triathlon once. Um, and that's what I like to say when I'm out on the course <laughs> forward and happy, yeah. don't look back. And I want everybody to know as we work through this pandemic, and the ways of working have changed for so many of us, just that everybody should remember, go forward and happy, take care of yourself, prioritize your, your physical health and your mental health, because it's really important. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.